1 Peter 4, beginning in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice instead, insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. As we read through these and other similar passages given within these books of First and Second Peter, we can't help but recognize that God has given the Apostle Peter a special message to those of us who are believers about suffering about the suffering that's really certain to come to us as we go through the ordinary events of our days. Sufferings that will come to us not only from outside of the church, from those raucous unbelievers that seem to always battle against Christianity with whatever means that they have available to them through the media, through the government legislation, through the courts... Not only from them, but unfortunately, sufferings will come at us from inside the church. And not just from those wannabe Christians who somehow worm their way into our congregations and spread their false teachings, but even also from sincerely devoted Christians who sometimes sit next to us in the pews. Sufferings. But then also, also, there are other sufferings special sufferings. And we'll talk about those here today because those are sufferings that God has His hand in. And yes, He may use some of those others, unbelievers, the government, people within our churches. But these sufferings that we're going to talk about here today are part of His plan. And you can see His hand in them. I want us to note here in this passage that God chose to use a word for suffering, a special word, fiery trials, fiery trials. Now, he could have used other similarly descriptive words, but he deliberately chose these words, fiery trials. In the Greek, there's one word that gets translated as fiery trials, but here he has deliberately chosen to use this particular word. The Bible commentator Matthew Henry has this to say to us believers as we encounter these fiery trials of suffering. He tells us, even though the sufferings be sharp and fiery, yet those fiery trials are designed only to try, not to ruin us, to test us, to test our sincerity, to test our strength, to test our patience, to test our trust in God. Instead of being surprised by the fiery trials, Christians ought rather to rejoice under their sufferings because their suffering may properly be called Christ's sufferings. They are of the same kind 
and for the same cause that Christ suffered. And they make us conformable to Him. Those are the words of Matthew Henry. Now, over my years of reading these Scriptures, I've come to appreciate that God is very intentional with some of the words that He uses or with all of the words that He uses. Too often we and the people around us are very careless with words. That's been so in every generation, but it's especially so in our generation. And when you use words in different forms, we often misunderstand what's being said. Now, remind us of that because if we attempt to apply 21st century mindsets to some of these words of Scripture, we will go astray. We will go astray. Now, here in our text, God chose this very special word that's here translated as fiery trials. And it's a word that's not often used in the Scriptures. And left to stand alone in its simple English translation, its real meaning can lose some of its intensity. It's the Greek word pyrosis. Pyrosis. Fiery trials. It's a special word that's intended to convey a condition of very intense fire. And not just any fire. It's a fire that has a very intentional purpose. One with intense heat that is applied during the smelting process. When metals are being heated with extreme heat in order to burn away the extraneous dross so that the purest of the elements remains. It's the same word that's used in Revelation 18 when God describes this weeping and wailing and grief that the world will experience as the great and wicked city of Babylon is going through its final destruction and burning. There the intent of the use of this word is that with that intense heat being applied, any and all of the confusing glamour and appeal and authority and power of that evil city in those last days will be all melted away. And only then the wickedness that's there will be able to be laid bare and all will be able to see and understand it. Here in our text today, God is telling us that we are not to be surprised when similar fiery trials come to us. Why? It's because God Himself is within these fiery trials that He's speaking about here. And they are part of His plan. And you and I need not be surprised by it. Now also, I want us to not fail to catch this first word. Verse 12, Beloved. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. In this word, beloved, God is telling us that we are His dearly loved sons and daughters. And He loves us. And He doesn't want us to be surprised with this sudden intensity and difficulty that will surely sweep upon us from time to time. And if we'll just hold on tight to Him... And if we'll trust in His trustworthy hand during our suffering, then His sweet and perfect love will then gradually reveal itself. And then note the next words, the words that follow the fiery trials. The word to test you. Listen, 
Verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Those words, to test you, or in another translation, to try you, they reveal God's intent. He will use those fiery trials to melt away all of the dross that has accumulated in your and my heart, mind, and soul. And folks, there are so many forms of that dross that do get accumulated within us. Our generation likes the expression of baggage. They use the word baggage, the expression baggage. The baggage that we've acquired along the way of our life. Baggage that weighs us down and befuddles and depresses us. Another form of the dross that has caked over most of us is all of those corrupt ideas, corrupt principles and philosophies of the day. We adopt them. And now they cling to the inside of our mind and our heart and our soul, driving our emotions and arguments. If you don't believe that, just let someone bring up one of those subjects and find how quickly you get on a rant. We do that a lot. I do that a lot, unfortunately. And it reveals this. It reveals this exact thing that God wants to melt away with these fiery trials that He will bring into my life, into your life. And He tells us also, He warns us, or there is an implied warning within this, that as those fiery trials flame up around us, we're not to be confused by the hands that we see holding those rods of discipline as they strike us. Or those hands that hold that match that ignite the flame. Those hands will very often be familiar to us. Some of them will be people that despise us and want to do us harm. People that we'll want to defend ourselves against. But unfortunately, unfortunately also, it will sometimes be the hands of those that we love most. Hands that we want to hold and adore. Hands that, though have gone astray of God's purposes, and now they blame us for their sufferings. And so they hold that rod of discipline as it strikes us. But listen, if we can just pause for a moment in our suffering and remind ourselves that regardless of whose hands we see holding those rods of discipline, that the hand that is in back of all the other hands, the ultimate hand that is bringing about that fiery heat, is the loving and grace-filled hand of God. And once we realize the presence of His hand, then we'll be able to know that though our suffering will last for a night, the joy will come in the morning. And it's then that God's hand will begin to peel away the layers of our dross that have accumulated from the world and the flesh and the devil. And it's then that the purity and joy will begin to take the place of that dross. That, folks, is the true suffering of Christ. And we're called to take part in it. Listen to these words again. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you 
as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Too often, even when we know that God's hand is in that suffering, the distress becomes too intense for us to really be able to embrace and to rejoice in. But may I encourage us that if we will move on forward and step on into the fire, let me say that again, if we will move on forward instead of backing up from that fire, if you and I will step on forward into the fire and draw nearer to the person and to the Spirit of Christ, His nearness will bring peace to our troubled souls. Here, described in verse 14, we'll be blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you, He tells us. And yes, it's hard. It's so very hard for us to accept and to do and to actually embrace, especially when the pain of it is at its worst. And that fire is at its hottest. But listen, it is that place where the three Hebrew children, where they were at, when they suddenly realized that they were able to walk freely and unaffected by the flames of that fiery furnace. How were they able to do that? It was because the very person of Christ was walking in that fire with them. And that's why you and I have to step on into it. Folks, it is the loving hand of God our Father that's at work in our fiery trials. You and I have to understand that and accept that. It is His hand at work disciplining you and me, His beloved sons and daughters. Yes, that forging hammer is painful, but there really is no other way to shape you and me into the sons and daughters that we need to be. Listen to these words from Hebrews 12, verse 5. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord, listen to these words, for the Lord disciplines the ones He loves, and He chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, listen, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Verse 11 of Hebrews 12. For the moment, listen, for for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you and I will step into that fire and say, go ahead, Lord, I need this, then you and I will have peaceful fruits of righteousness developed in us. And we'll be trained by it. Those are loving words from a loving father to his beloved children. And then look at these words here in verse 13 of our text. They're so very important to our understanding. He tells us there in verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. 
He's telling us that you and I need to share in Christ's sufferings. Now that reminds me of another set of verses in Philippians 3 that are some of my favorite words. Let me read those for you. Philippians 3, verse 10 and 11. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. And listen, and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Can you imagine yourself, envision yourself saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of His resurrection. But then I also want to join in and share with Him in His sufferings. Folks, that's where God wants us to move to. He doesn't always want to deliver us from the troubles we're in. You have to understand that. God is not necessarily all deliverance. Yes, He does deliver us from so many of our troubles. And He says so, especially in the Psalms. But when He's bringing it on, as He's doing in these fiery trials, don't expect Him to deliver you out of them. He's the one that put you there. And they're there for your good. There's so much mystery involved in these truths of God. And too often, you and I can go through most all the days of our lives reading words like these and never quite grabbing hold of their real meaning. But here God is telling us that sharing in the sufferings of Christ opens our hearts and minds to where we can begin to know, begin to understand, begin to sense, to feel His truth at a whole other level. Wouldn't you love to do that? And remember that this word know that he speaks about here. It does not mean a simple intellectual knowledge. This kind of knowing is experiential. It is felt at the heart and at the soul level. It's an intimate understanding, the kind of intimate understanding that's shared by loving husband and wife as they really come to know each other. And folks, listen, that is the actual experience that the Spirit of Christ will share with your and my soul. Here in these words of Scripture, the special power that comes out of our sharing in Christ's sufferings is not only a transforming power that can bring us to salvation, to our initial salvation. It's also a transforming power that will take place daily. It's a sanctifying power. And it takes place in the events of our life such as this, in these fiery trials. Sufferings that bring us to where He wants us to be. This is one of the mysteries that most Christians seem to fail to grasp when they're experiencing the fiery trials. Though we may not really like God's methodology of the necessity of our suffering, it is what it is. And it really is necessary for you and me, for our hearts and our souls to be changed. Listen to these words from Romans 5. Verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what he's saying to you and me, you are saved, yes. You are saved. And you have peace with Christ. Verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We're saved. 
And we are rejoicing in the knowledge that we are saved. But then in verse 3, he says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. Are you able to see the reasoning within these words? This is precept upon precept. It is through the sufferings of Christ that you and I are saved. But He says now, this next process that's got to take place in your and my life is sanctification. And that part, the setting apart of you for my purposes, God is saying, that's going to involve some suffering on your part. Seems always that that is necessary. And that's why He gives us these words here in Romans 5. Fiery trials. Fiery trials that are necessary to be applied to us to melt away that dross from our troubled souls so that we can become then instruments of a holy God. We're human images cast into a crucible of fiery trials and we're transformed into the image of Christ. And the power of Christ's death and resurrection is killing out the sin from within us and raising us up with newness of life. Folks, that's what God wants to do for you and me. May I close with one last precept upon precept. It's the same truth. He keeps saying it over and over again. But this time, from the Lord's brother James. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. He tells us, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Praise the Lord.